Welcome to Geocache Adventures, the podcast where we explore everything geocaching. I'm your host, Shadow Dragon One. I love geocaching. If you're listening to this, you probably love it too. If you enjoy the podcast, consider sharing it with somebody that you think would love it. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and there's a Facebook group as well, so you can join in the fun and share your adventures. There's also a Patreon page that you can join and unlock exclusive content. Hi everybody, Amy Shadow Dragon one here, and with me today is fellow geocacher, Jasmer B., and he is the creator of the well-known Jasmer Challenge. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So to start out, I'd like to ask my guest, how did you get started geocaching? Oh, that's a good one. Um, very, very early days of geocaching. I had a, a black and white uh, GPS unit that I used for navigation stuff. And I heard about this thing called geocaching. And I looked up, there was just a few caches in the area at the time. I was in California, obviously. And uh, I tried to find it. And I stomped around these hills in this park. I couldn't find it. And set it aside for many years, probably, I don't know, five or more years. And then I was into hiking at that time and I had a hiking GPS, a better GPS. And a friend told me about it. And I was like, oh yeah, I, I've tried that before. And then I just kind of went gangbusters with that. And for a long time, I did like a geocache every day. Um, and since I done, you know, did it from the very start of when I officially started, um, yeah, I was just like 100% geocaches for, I don't know, maybe a year or so. That's a lot. Yeah. I have not done the uh, the full year streak yet. That's it's a little hard to do sometimes. Oh, definitely. So we're going to talk about the Jasmine Challenge. I think people All would right. be disappointed if we didn't after that intro. So for those who may be newer to geocaching, would you mind telling us what the Jasmine Challenge is? Um, so every geocache, when you create a geocache or when someone creates a geocache, there is a uh, one of the pieces of data alongside the description and the difficulty in the terrain is the date that it was placed. And I thought it would be interesting to say, um, you should you should find a geocache on every month since geocaching started. So in May of 2000, find a cache in May, find a cache in June, not, you know, find one that was placed in that month. And I don't, I should have looked at this before, but, uh, I think it was probably eight years old when I started this. And uh, so that's you know, 80, 96 caches. And that was challenging back then. And of course, uh, there's it's been 24 years now. So it's even more challenging, just the sheer number that you have to get. And of course, um, caches die off and don't get replaced. And that has been a challenge for some as well. Absolutely. So what inspired that interest to to create that challenge i i i kind of wanted to create something that was a little bit crazy uh at the time everyone was talking about something called the fizzy challenge which i believe is still popular um one uh a, a, a difficulty and terrain combination for all of the 81 different uh, combinations of those uh, i wanted to create something that was equally as difficult I honestly didn't think that very many people would uh, do this, and I, I kind of just created it as a lark. Um, I'm a little bit sad that I didn't find a better location uh, for the cache and uh, you know a better container, 
but since I can't move it, I, I figure I'll just leave it is as it is. So that original challenge cache that you put out there, is that still active? The original? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, original container, as far as I know. I've since moved away from the area and other people helped me maintain it. Uh, but it is a um, a decon container on a on a fence, hint, hint, um, <laughs> on a very, very busy trail in a kind of a business park that people walk up and down during lunch and apparently all hours of the day. So not ideal, unfortunately, but it is what it is. This challenge has become so big. How long after you set years out, did you hear about it being duplicated? Oh, that's an excellent question. When I created it, it still has the original name. And I specifically said, Jasmine Challenge, Northern California edition. I, I wanted to make it clear that if you wanted to, to duplicate it, because you lived in Germany or Australia or wherever, um, and you didn't want to have to fly to California just to sign the final, I wanted it to be known that it was it was okay to copy. Um, and I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you, maybe a couple of years later, I, I started seeing some pop up here and there. Um, I left geocaching for, oh, maybe 10 years. And somebody mentioned it to me that, that it had become popular. And I, I Googled it and I was stunned to see how many people, how many copies of them there were and, and slight variations, you know, mini Jasmer challenges and, um, you know, double Jasmers and triple Jasmers. And so, yeah, it's, I was amazed to see that it had been so uh, uh, beloved by many hardcore cashers. Did it, was it like a flattering feeling? I would imagine it made you feel pretty good that the people ran with oh, your idea. Yeah, completely. I mean, I, I told my parents about it and they were, I mean, they don't quite understand exactly what it is still, but <laughs> they were they were kind of amused by that, that so many people had had picked up the ball on this and ran with it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, favorite things came out at some point um, after I had created it. And, you know, I started to see that number climb. And I was, I was thrilled to see that, just that people liked it enough to say that's a favorite of theirs. Okay. Yeah, I was actually pretty surprised when i was looking this up to see that the original jasmer challenge cache was still there and still being found yeah. so many times they they go missing and get archived and so but as you uh, mentioned earlier one of the biggest challenges for this is finding those older geocaches right oh what tools are there for people to help them check if they qualify for this challenge? I am a big, big advocate of a piece of software called GSAC, G-S-A-K. Um, it used to be a paid program. I believe it is now, uh, I don't think it's open source, but I believe it is freely available. And it runs on Windows only, which was a challenge uh, since me and others that I was hanging out with at the time were Mac users. Um, but yeah, GSAC is great. It's a very powerful tool. Um, you download pocket queries and you could run all sorts of, uh, programs to analyze whether or not, you know, you've, how far you've filled the grid. Um, and, uh, I wrote some stuff, I haven't published it, but I, I also did some stuff where, uh, you could find the nearest 
qualifying. So it would take your your fines uh, query, and it would say uh, these are the months that are missing, and then you compare that to a pocket query and say, all right, you know, you need these two years worth. Here's the closest one for each of those months that you haven't found yet. Um, so yeah, GSEC is very powerful and can do some incredible things. Okay. So I picked up geocaching again about a year ago on a trip. Um, I was given a, a an annual subscription to to uh, geocaching.com, thankfully, and uh, and I was like, well, I I better use this uh, use this gift well and make sure I uh, go out and find all of the geocaches I can because I haven't qualified yet for my own challenge. <laughs> um, having not done it for ten or eleven years, I had a huge gap. Um, so this last summer, I spent a lot of time uh, finding all of the geocaches that qualified for the the current uh, months. I've yet to find the the coveted year two thousand caches. I think I have five left. Okay, so you placed this cache a while back, and at one point in geocaching history, challenge caches changed to require you to have to have completed the challenge yourself before publishing the cache. Oh my. So when you <laughs> first published this, was that before that, Mark? Yeah. I'd never even heard of that. I didn't know that was the thing. Oh, really? Yeah. So even when you had uh, put the idea out there, you hadn't done it yourself yet. I had not. That's really no. interesting. <laughs> How many are you missing at this point? I I mean, for the past three or four months, you know, winter and all, I, right. I haven't gotten close, but I think I have five or maybe six of the year 2000 ones. And then beyond that, it's it's a full grid. Okay. So yeah. you've got most of them other than... Yeah, most. It's year 2000 is so hard. Are there any months that you have found that don't have any caches left from them? No, I believe, I believe August 2000 is the hard month and there are only four in the world that exist. Wow. Um, yeah. The closest one to me is Utah. I live in Oregon now. Um, so at some point I'll be taking a trip to Utah. Um, and the other ones there are, they're easier to find. Um, I don't know how many are in each month, but for me, certainly uh, there's stuff that is closer than Utah. So Utah will be the big trip. Wow. So that's at at this point, if you haven't been geocaching since early on, it's going to be very difficult to get those very early ones then. Yeah. I feel bad for the people who don't live in the U.S. I think there are two in the U.S. and I think the other two are international. Wow. Yeah. And you, I've also been surprised by how many people have actually found this. I mean, like I said, I, I stepped away for a long time, and I knew that there were a bunch of uh, you know, local duplicated final caches. Um, I would be curious to know how many people have actually found it across all of the different ones. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people have have fallen in love with this, and it's made me very happy. It it is pretty amazing, because I first heard of it 
And I didn't realize that there were actual challenge caches that went along with doing it. I thought it was just one of those, oh, you know, you just do it to do it sorts of things and then start looking into it. And there's so many challenge caches out there for it. Yeah. So people could qualify for a lot of challenge caches if they've if they've completed it. That's true. I guess the the tricky thing would just be keeping up with it. <laughs> yeah, that's the hard part. It's like every well, I mean, once you qualify, in my opinion, you have you have finished it and you qualify. Um, but yeah, if you want to keep it going, every month you have to get out there and find find one that's been placed that month. Yeah. I could see how that could get hard in, in certain areas to find a newly placed ones that month. But so when you found um, like those four August ones that you were talking about, we, you used or identified those ones for August of 2000, you were using the GSAC tool to locate them. Um, no, I think they just kind of became common knowledge among uh, people who have done them. And, you know, I, I read the logs of everybody who signs my cash and, and, you know, you just kind of pick up on the fact that there are only that many. Um, so, uh, I, there are ways that you can query, I, I never keep it straight. You can do uh kind of a map lookup in geocaching.com and you can kind of filter it down by month month it was placed um and then in in gsec i believe it's a little bit more difficult because when you create a pocket query you kind of have to say within so many miles like 500 kilometers maybe um okay so that's not as good uh i think you would want to go to geocaching.com if you wanted to search for a particular month um but if you have you know if you want to search locally GSAC would do a bunch of filtering and help you in that, that regard. Okay. My mind just went blank. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I thought of something else I was going to ask you. And then my mind just, oh, there it is. Oh my gosh. This is what editing is for. My goodness. Um, <laughs> so when people log your challenge cache, do they have to list every single cache that they qualify for or how does that work? I don't know how it's currently written in my cache. I haven't looked in a long time. I think when I created, I, I said, you know, obviously the first couple of years are the difficult ones. So just list out those. Um, but now with things like Project GC that kind of does it all for you, I, I've relaxed my requirements greatly. I, I trust that people will do the right thing. Um, you know, if, if somebody's cheating the system, there's, there's not much I can do about that. Um, yeah, every once in a while, I'll look and somebody will say, hey, I found this. And they have a total of 13 fines. Yeah. So, no, you don't qualify. Uh, so I will I will talk to them about that. But for the most That's part, fair. if I see somebody has 2,000 fines, then I know that they're serious enough that they've gone and, and done the whole thing. Yeah, that is a lot of... Now I'm trying to think of them. I'd have to do the math. What is the minimum number of geocaches to qualify for that at this point? Uh, 288, I think, right? So if it's been, well, it's, it's 2024 and it started in 2000. So 24 times 12 is two gross. So that's 144, 288, I think. Yeah. Wow. Somewhere around there. Yeah. About 288. That's, 
That's a lot. And I know for some people it's not a lot, but when you're having to find those specifics like that and go back, that's, that's challenging for most people. That's. It's very hardcore. If you, if you look at all the people that have have found it, all of them have multi-thousand finds. I would imagine. I would imagine if you're lucky enough to have been doing it since the beginning and have those early ones, it's probably like the best opportunity you have for completing it easily. And I don't know if I I should take credit for this, but I think the the existence of this challenge has made it, you know, kind of the preserving of the history of this by keeping some of these older caches around. I think it has really affected that. And people are more inclined to go, Hey, you know, don't, don't archive that really old one. We want to keep that around for the Jasmine challenge. And I, I think that's kind of cool. I would agree with that. I've heard some people talking about about that. And, you know, there's a concept out there refreshing the game board that we've talked about on the podcast before. And that's that's been brought up in that, like, hey, you know, because if you have a just a pill bottle in the woods and everybody's found it, it's not getting fines. But if it's one of those really old ones, we want to preserve it still because we want to be able to still do that Jasmine challenge so that it does... Yeah it does play into the the conservation, I guess, of a lack of a better or preservation. I guess preservation is the better term for that of those, those old caches. And the fact that there's only four caches left for August of 2000, that's, yeah, that's wild. (laughs) When when there's how many millions of geocaches in the world and 3 million, and there's four left for that month. That's pretty pretty uh small percentage there that qualify <laughs> yeah i didn't realize until somebody created the quad challenge and saying you know that's that's as most you can do is four four jasmers so i find four caches in each of the months mm. i was like yeah I'll do for august wow yeah it's kind of it's kind of sad in a way to think at some point there there may be a day where it can't be completed as it was originally set out to be. Right. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Definitely a challenge to do it at this point if you haven't found one in that year yet, but that's wild. Is there anything else about the Jasmine challenge you'd you'd like to tell us about? Um I was approached I don't know when this was, maybe 10 years ago from, I think it's coinsandpins.com. And they said, hey, we wanted to do a commemorative uh, coin for your challenge. Uh, would you you know, allow us to use your name and, and whatnot for that? And I was like, sure, that's fine by me. I think that'd be cool. So they they created a just a gorgeous coin. I should have brought it to show you. But um, uh, yeah, gorgeous coin and uh, a, a pin along with it. Um, and then they gave me a bunch to hand out to people and they sold it. And I thought that was the neatest thing. I don't think you can get it anymore. Um, but it existed for a while. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Well, you have a cash highlight to share with us. I do. Um, uh, it is GC7B7FB. Um, and I think it, it's, it's in German, uh, or something. I think it means we love you. 
and it was um, this is it's it's newer cash or newer from when I found it. I found the original. Um, it is since the feature that it highlighted has moved to a different location. So the original micro is no longer there. It's just a virtual cache. But um, I was going through, it's just this nondescript office park in the middle of Mountain View, California. And in the back corner of the parking lot are two fully intact slabs of the Berlin Wall. And really? I like, never would have seen this were it not for geocaching. I thought it was the coolest thing. They were, you know, it's this little, uh, you know, fenced area with a bench and a plaque that says what it's all about. And I never knew that it existed. I lived and worked in Mountain View and I never would have found it. Um, and it was, it was just so funny to me that that nobody knows about this thing in the back of a parking lot, except for a bunch of geocachers. Um, I, I think the owner, the owner of the business park had, had bought them uh, shortly after the fall of the Berlin Wall, had them shipped over, set them up. He eventually died and donated them to the city maybe. And uh, the city moved them to a more prominent location at the, the city library. So they're, oh, they're okay. erect and encased in, you know, plastic so they can't be vandalized. I mean, it's, they're cool because they're, you know, they're full of uh, painting, graffiti, whatnot uh, from, I don't know which side of the, of the wall, the people who did it. But um, yeah, it's just such a neat piece of history and, uh, and geocaching brought me to it. And it was just hidden there in plain view in a corner of a parking lot. Not even in plain view. You'd have to like <laughs> go and find it because it was literally in the back corner of a parking lot of a business park. Those are some of the best caches. Very much. Yeah. I have found some stuff like that around where where I've grown up at. And it's like, I did not know this memorial was here or that the statue was here, except yeah. geocaching took it took me to it and it's like I grew up here how did I not know this was even a part of the town's history it's it's wild how that happens in geocaching very educational yeah I think that's definitely one of the best parts about it is finding those little treasures like that yeah agreed well Bryce thank you so much for coming on the podcast and and telling us about how the Jasmine challenge came to be I know it's kind of a short topic to discuss but i thought it was really interesting to find out how this really popular part of the game came into existence so i really do appreciate your time oh, thank you very much you've been listening to geocache adventures with me shadow dragon one if you'd like to get in touch you can reach out to me on facebook instagram or go to geocacheadventures.org and you can find the information on the contact page theme music is by the travel bugs thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode have you heard of FTF Magazine? It's the magazine for geocachers. It is full of articles and pictures all submitted by geocachers just like you. I'm a subscriber myself and I love it. My favorite part is the little snippets on the edges of the articles on all the different pages. Those are my favorites. Just go to ftfgeo.com to check them out and tell them Shadow Dragon 1 sent you. 